Thank you very much, praise band. And in the name of Jesus, dear friends in Christ, what do we value in life? What really is success? Where do we invest our time, our talents, our pleasure, our passion, our energy, our opportunities? I think such questions ultimately come down to what are our priorities in life? And as I talked with the kids about setting priorities, often involves choices. And I never realized how exciting profit takes a sprinkle can be over everything else. But I recently ran across an article that spelled out five of the most recent cases, most ridiculous cases of misplaced priorities. And they're all true. Let me share them with you. Coming in at number five, most ridiculous misplaced priorities is a man chose to get shot, and he was shot rather than hand over his cell phone. The sign of the time. In the same vein, number four, a man refuses to release his gamer login info. Number three, a woman runs into a burning house ready to collapse, and the ghost collapses on her, trying to stay two baseball game tickets. Hopefully they weren't tiger tickets. Coming in at number two, a woman comes home from work. She had a tough day. She was hungry. Maybe you didn't say she was hungry. You know, she was counting on a box of Girl Scout cookies in the cupboard. You know, the green box, the kind that we really like, the thin mint. And so she goes to the cupboard, and lo and behold, she finds the box that is empty. Her female roommate had polished them off earlier in the afternoon. She got a little upset. She assaulted her. She's in some trouble. And finally, coming in at number one, a man in Italy, when given the choice in court by a judge to serve time in prison or go home and live with his wife and put up with the argument, he chose jail time. Today, as we continue and kick off our three-week stewardship sermon series titled, What Does Jesus Say About Filling the Blank? Today, we're going to be looking at what Jesus says about priorities our priorities in life, and how that can and will shape our values and our walk with Him in this life. And for our time in God's Word today, we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. And the section of that Sermon on the Mount that Billy read is our Gospel text today from Matthew chapter 6. And for our time in the Bible today, I want to share two biblical keys with you. And the first of those two biblical keys is this. What brings value to our life can help shape our priorities. Now, I don't think too many of us, myself included, want to waste our life. I think most of us really desire each day to make the most out of life. But sometimes things get in the way. The world is full of distractions and false promises. And sometimes we find ourselves perhaps keeping busy with activities that really honestly don't add much value to our life. For example, I read a study recently. The average American adult spends two hours and 24 minutes a day on social media. So about two and a half hours a day alone for adults on social media. Now, some of that may be very good and productive. Some of it might be a little less than productive for us. In our gospel text today, Matthew 6, picking up at verse 19, Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where the moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, 
where Moss and Berman do not destroy and where things do not break down and fall. So a couple questions for us today. Real quick. Is it wrong to have an own place? A brand new car? A new truck? Lots of toys in the garage? A vacation home? Great seats for the theater or ball games when we're able to do such things again. Is it wrong to have the nice things in life? And of course, the answer to all those questions is no. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to enjoy many of the blessings of this life. As a matter of fact, St. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 4. Let's pick it up at verse 4. For everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the Word of God. And prayer. Now, those above mentioned questions that I rattled off real quickly, those things mentioned that are not bad. They're gifts of God, they're blessings. Scripture reminds us over and over again that God is the giver of all good things. He's the maker of heaven and earth and everything in it. Money is stored spiritually. A key principle that runs throughout Scripture is that God is the owner of everything, and we're the manager. Of what he entrusts to us. Now, it does mean that we often, though, regularly pray about what we buy. We can pray about what we accumulate. Pray about how we want to share and save and use what we're entrusted to for the glory of God. But having nice things, of course, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not bad, it's not lacking for us. Jesus, however, warns us from our gospel text today that accumulating money possessions and valuable assets, though, will not give our lives lasting meaning, lasting value. The problem is if we look to that for our value and our security. As a matter of fact, Jesus uses today in the text the image of stacking a treasure chest and filling that treasure chest with all kinds of value money, status, security. Since the value of life in that picture depends, of course, then on the accumulated value in the treasure chest. And yet Jesus points out that treasures on earth are subject, as we know very well, to decay. Moth and vermin literally can destroy nice clothes and houses. Thieves can steal our possessions, our reputation, our identity. Security can be fleeting. Great pain jobs can be gone in a flash. The booming stock market can tank. Elections can go our way or not our way. Useful beauty loses its luster over time, and fame and popularity can be pretty fickle. When Jesus told us to store up treasures in heaven, this first person talking about sending cash or gold up to heaven, or earning a better mansion in the sky, or earning points with God. Now, he was talking about things of eternal value. Things that transcend this very temporary earth that we're on. Things such as being rich in God's eyes, experiencing each day His grace, His mercy, His love, loving Him and our fellow man, and ultimately what He's teaching us is to have as our focus a heavenly and eternal and a spiritual mindset. In other words, the treasures of kind of things that are treasures in heaven. Service. God's glory. His love, worship, the blessings of relationship, and the joy of living in Him. Now, on earth, God will provide for all of our needs. He promises that. 
The Bible is full of promises. God has never broken a promise, never has, never will. He will always provide for all of our needs. Maybe not all of our needs, but all of our needs. Now, a former congregation that I was associated with, the full coming to St. Michael had as a, I call it their ministry tagline, probably the best way to describe it. The tagline is this The best things in life are not things, but relationships. Isn't that true? Another, put another way, it's not what we have in life that ultimately matters, but takes our priority, but who we have in life that matters. Now, I would say, like many Christian funerals that I have the privilege of presiding at, including a funeral I did of a member last Sunday afternoon, that when all is said and done in life for the believer, it really comes down to, doesn't it, the three acts in life? Faith. St. Paul puts it this way, 1 Timothy 6, let's pick it up at verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be sure, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share in this way. They will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly God. The life of God, with our priorities, our choices, properly aligned with the Lord, is a life rich in God's eyes, and it brings the kingdom of God into our world, and our world needs the kingdom of God now more than ever. And that leads us to our second biblical theme today. How can we, practically speaking, build such a life of value and priority. How do we do it? Well, Jesus in our text, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, gives us three specific action steps to follow to build such a life of value with our priorities properly aligned. The first one, the first action step is this. He's our master. He's our master well. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you can not serve both God and money. Now, many of us may have heard this verse translated more literally, depending on the translation of Scripture we're looking at it. You may have heard it translated, you can not serve both God and money. Jesus spoke in Aramaic, and he uses the Aramaic word mamona. And Matthew keeps this Aramaic word in his Greek translation. Now, mammon literally translated out means property or possession. But it's also come to represent the money that can buy the things of the world. And sometimes you'll see mammon even capitalized because it can become like a capital G type of God. Think about it. Think of the wonderful homes we're blessed with. Do we own our home or is it time our mortgage own up? Do we use our boat or does our boat sometimes consume so much of our time or money? Do we really need all the stuff at times in our garage? You know, the written system the winter, it doesn't feel that way. You know, but you start to have that struggle. Can I even get one of my two cars in the garage? You know, this coming winter. Or sometimes you look at home and you see, you see our closet so filled to the brim. Sometimes does it reflect the fact to see a certain master in our life for a certain kind of happiness? Now, sometimes the allure of mammon is more subtle. Sometimes we're driven to overwork, overseas, take ethical shortcuts, 
Sometimes the desire for approval can cause us at times to obey and give in to the expectations of other people. Social status sometimes can cause us to wear a certain kind of mask in our lives. Cultural ideas or social media comparisons might drive us to undertake a vacation that we really can't afford. And the list goes on. Money and stuff and competing priorities, again, they're not necessarily bad, but they can become quite bad. And if they do, and we all struggle with it, they start to push aside the master that we want to serve. Paul reminds us in 1 Timothy 6.10 of the following. Now, this verse is one of the most misquoted Bible verses. Out there in pop culture today, you hear it misquoted in commercials and sitcoms. It's also often misquoted in the church as well. Here's what Paul says. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, how do we often hear it stated, though? It gets abbreviated, right? It's money is the root of all evil. Is money the root of all evil? No, it's the love of money. It's the greed of money that's the problem. Again, money or mammon, it's a gift from God. It's stored spiritual. The problem is the greed of or the love of money can ultimately lead us to serve another master. Jesus said that you can't serve two masters. So the first action step of listening to what Jesus teaches us to live a life of value with godly line priorities is choose our master and choose our master well. A second action step in addition to choosing our master well is clarify our vision. Clarify our vision. Now, we certainly live in an age still of a lot of commercials and social media and an increasing number of forms of mass communication. And sometimes those messages about life and happiness in life and what is our vision for our life, they can bombard us. For example, you know, whenever the next iPhone or the latest smartphone will be coming out, there'll be a lot of advertising saying, your life will be so much better, you need to have whatever that is, the iPhone 13, 14, whatever number we're up to. Life will be better for you if you drive and get a new car or a new truck. Your social life will improve if you buy a certain skin product and then you'll have that perfect skin. You'll attract the person of the opposite sex that you desire in your life if you hold this type of adult alcoholic beverage. A certain food, a certain diet will make us healthier and live longer. The list goes on. These things can be good, but will they bring value to our life, ultimately? Clarification for our vision. Jesus gives us some help here. And it's also from the Sermon on the Mount, but it's the chapter preceding our text today. It's from Matthew 5. Jesus describes the life in which those who mourn are comforted. Those who seek righteousness will be filled. The poor in spirit and the meek are blessed and the pure in heart and the peacemakers. And those who are persecuted will enjoy life with God. Here what Jesus is talking about is the kingdom of heaven. And how does the kingdom of God, how does the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven come into our lives? Well, the kingdom of heaven comes to earth into our lives for those who follow Jesus, and as we're talking about in the sermon series, through last and teaching. Matter of fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 14, You are the light of the world. A town cannot be hidden. A hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
in the same way that your light shines before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are the light of Jesus to the world. This world needs the light of Jesus now more than ever. The light of God's kingdom shines in and through. But how does that light get into us to shape our priorities, to clarify our vision? Well, the answer is in our gospel text that we read. Matthew 6, let's pick it up at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus says the eye of the lamp of the body is key. What we set our eyes and heart upon, our vision, will bring God's light into us and guide our prayers. Third and finally, to build a life of God with the godly type of aligned priorities that Jesus is calling us to. Then one, we choose our master. Two, we clarify our vision. And number three, we invest in the kingdom of God. Jesus says from our gospel text here, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure your heart will be also. Now, I grew up in Portland, Indiana, and I told some stories along the way of growing up in Indiana. Now, when I was growing up, there was no professional football team, no NFL team in Indiana. Okay? I still lived a very good life, okay? Childhood. Um, but during those years, following the NFL, you had to follow some other regional team. So a lot of people growing up in Portland, I followed the Chicago Bears. Okay? Maybe the Cincinnati Bengals. Some the Detroit Lions. And a very few, no offense to my Cleveland-based uh, and born wife, a very few, maybe even the Cleveland Bears. But anyway, you picked the regional team. But in 1984, when I uh, graduated from my undergraduate study, and I took my first church work position out in Maryland, the week I moved out to Maryland, if you follow football, if you remember, that was the week that what used to be the Baltimore, Maryland, Colts of the NFL, moved to Indiana. So the week I leave Indiana, time means everything, they get to a professional football team. And ever since they've been the Indianapolis Colts, okay? And of course, so I was getting out there, I was getting settled in and so forth, and people would say, hey, where you're at? I, I'm from Indiana. And they'd say, you still work here? No, I didn't. I really didn't think. But fast forward to more of the present, the last 28 years I've lived in this town. Now, I wasn't born and raised in the area. I know we have a lot of lifelong, diehard Detroit Lions fans out there. But since I've lived in Michigan for 28 years, I do root for the local team. I want them to win. I wouldn't say my heart is with the team. I just wasn't raised that way. But let's say I was. Let's say Pastor Tim's heart was really with the Lions. So when you would see me at Meyer or Crozer, and I run into a lot of you guys at Meyer or Crozer, and it's great to see you, and I hope I don't not recognize you sometimes while I'm masquerading. But anyway, if you would see me at Meyer or Crozer, if my heart was with the Lions, I might be wearing a Lions hat, right? Or a Lions jacket. I might buy season tickets to the Lions every year, good or bad. I would know all the stats of my favorite Lions players. I would know all their names. And if that was the case, you would say Pastor Tim's heart is really with the Lions. He's really invested in it. Now, I'm not, but I do hope they win each and every week, and I do hope that before the second coming of Jesus, they do make it to the Super Bowl. But the point is, if we invest 
in the kingdom of God, all hearts will be there. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For example, if we commit to worship each and every week here with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ at St. Michael Lutheran, whether virtually or in person, if we return to the Lord a portion of the blessing, He has first entrusted us in the form of our tithes and our offerings to support our shared mission and ministry. And Adam is going to talk more about that next week in his message. If we commit to a growing prayer and devotional life based on God's will, we want to get involved in service and volunteering here among us or out in the community, then invest yourself. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are investing in the kingdom of God. What are we investing in as we start to wrap up 2020? And let's face it, 2020 has been a year. Very unprecedented. Very unexpected. We know the challenges. Many of us are probably ready to put it on a shelf and not look ready for it. But what are we investing in as we wind down 2020 and head for 2021 and beyond? If we want our lives to have that, with properly aligned prayers, maybe by the power of the Holy Spirit, we must be the same. And that is one, he's our master what? Two, clarify our vision. And three, invest our hearts in the kingdom of God. So, can I just say, in the name of Jesus, amen.